friends, welcome back to the Film Alchemist Podcast, the show where we take the movies we love, break them apart, to find out what gives them their magic. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, joined as always by my friend who has the face of a lot of men I've been seeing around lately and co-host. Definitely Alex Dandino. I've got that face. <laughs> he has that specific look, as they say in the film. Uh, before we get into this this wonderful new film a little bit of business people it's official we are on patreon that's right patreon.com slash slash film alchemist pod the very best way to support the show the very best way to make this show exactly it's what you buck. want guys it's only a buck you get in for a buck you see what we're working on you meet our friends over there and as you climb the official Highlander tier ranking system, you get votes on the movies that we talk about in Patreon exclusive library. You can even pick the very specific movies you want us to talk about for you. We are working on so much cool stuff over there, uh, trying to make sure that it really is a great value for you guys. It means the world to us for those of you who support. Hopefully some of you listening today will find it in your hearts to come on over and join the fun. Again, as little as a dollar a month, and believe us, we appreciate Every single person and every single dollar that helps the show. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, make sure you go to the the email for the show, filmalchemistpod at gmail.com, the YouTube channel. If you want to see our faces, make sure we look different enough to be cool. Uh, that is Film Alchemist. You can find us on all the socials you're on, something easy you can do uh, and also free to help the show. Make sure you leave a rating and review wherever you find us. It helps us defeat the algorithmic patriarchal system that won't let us break free and be what we wants to be uh so all of these ways guys um are great ways to help us out we appreciate how much you guys do for us thank you all right without further ado sorry my voice a little weak today still got these seasonal allergies uh just burning through covid tests to make sure that it's not sneaky getting covid but no it's just allergy stuff uh so bear with me like this movie it feels like i've got dandelions all up in my throat and i don't like it but today alex and i are very excited uh something we're going to try to be doing more of moving forward right the kind of nice thing is is hopefully the cases begin to subside and the pandemic begins to wane a little bit uh not that it's gone is that we're starting to get awesome movies regularly back in the theater right it's a wonderful thing so as often as we can manage, we're going to try to get out to the new movies that we're really excited about and get you guys some discussions about new movies. We're more of an archival show where we talk about things that have already happened. Sometimes it's nice to get in and talk about the fresh new stuff. So without uh, belaboring that point, we went to the theater this weekend and saw Alex Garland's new film, Men. Uh, I think it's fair to say that we both absolutely adore Alex Garland and his work. I think it is not a stretch to say this will be his most challenging piece that uh, people have run across yet. <laughs> I I went with my wife to see this movie, right? Wow. Uh, we snuck out and saw like the earliest Friday screening. We both had nothing going on. So like, let's just get out of the way. Mm -hmm. um, so it's essentially us, two other guys, and a really old couple. Like, if you told me they were 80-year-old people, I'd have been like, of course. Right. And listening to them talk out loud at full volume, because I'm assuming the hearing was not good. Awesome. Expressing their pure exacerbation at what was happening on this screen 
about how they are just living in a future that does not look like the world they once knew watching these things unfurl on the screen. Um, but surprisingly seemed like they liked it, man. It was, it was a cool experience. I, I, it's one of those films that just is dripping with dread constantly. And as often as you might get lost, that is ever present, right? I remember looking over early in the film, right? When Jessica Buckley's being shown the estate, right? And just watching my wife kind of curl up into a ball. And just watching her face, you could see the reaction that these things that felt pretty innocuous to me, right? Just a guy showing her the house. She so early in the movie, as she explained to me later, began to feel that this is wrong. This is all wrong. Run. Mm -hmm. Those kind of red flags. And it's just this, this sense of dread that that really is masterfully built and never really lets go that anchors us through this movie. Um, Alex, opening thoughts on me and... It's interesting you bring up this, how you don't clue into this kind of like dread. Cause like you feel it, like, you know, it's there, but there is like this level of this actually happened to me recently. I kind of had to check my male privilege. Uh, I suggested a movie to a female friend. Um, and, uh, uh for the, uh, just quickly, a movie called the movie fresh, which is on fresh. Hulu. I suggested to a female friend and she, I was like, yeah, it's fun. It's kind of cool. It's weird. You know, it's freaky. She's like, okay, I'll check it out. She text messaged me in the middle of the movie. She's like, why the fuck would you say that this movie isn't scary? And I'm like, yeah. it's not. I mean, I didn't think it was that scary. It's just kind of weird. And she's like, this is fucking terrifying. I'm single and I live alone. I'm like, oh. And I looked at Andrea. I was like, hey, am I not supposed to suggest a movie? She's like, you're such a fucking guy. Like, no, you can't suggest those <laughs> movies aren't scary when it's like yeah. it's about a woman. I'm like, Oh wow, that is a good point. Like that is like one of those things that's really fascinating. So watching men without Andrea, so I went without her because um, obviously we have the kid. Uh, I just went out that night. And I was like, I'm gonna go see men. I was like, I don't think you should watch that movie until it's available on VOD. And she goes, Yeah, that's probably a good point. I, I started explaining to her what was kind of happening in the movie. She's like, Yeah, I'll probably wait for it to be on VOD. But I I will say this. I had that same. I was like, if there's ever a movie, I wish. I could have just got at home day one. Yeah. That that movie, one. I didn't I didn't need to see that movie in a theater, right? No. If I could have bought this at my house, I think I would have watched it like four times in a row. I would have watched just it. Just trying least, to dig into it. I would have watched it at least twice by at least twice yeah. by now to keep going into it. But like all right. All that out of the way. This movie's it was just one of the like, I walked out just going, wow. Like I, there's, this is a great example. Like I, Alex Garland is a great filmmaker. Like there's no mm. doubt about that. Like he has per, an incredible eye, incredible attention to detail. There's this level of fuck you witness to the way that he's made this movie. That's like, listen, I don't give a shit what you think about how I make a movie. I'm making the movie I want to make. You decide how you would like to interpret it. Because I can surmise like at least four different interpretations depending on your subjective viewpoint as to what the ending of this movie means, the overall concept and theme in the movie is. Like there's so many different rationales for how the movie works. And I think that's just fucking brilliant. Like I, I really yeah. I enjoyed watching the movie. Like I obviously agree. I would have loved to see it at my house so I could watch it at least one at least one or two other times. So I'd be like, hang on, yeah. right here. I actually texted you as like cause there was this fucking couple in the movie who would not get off their phones. Like one guy at one point had like left. He's like, 
uh, like literally left the theater with his phone. I was like, finally, they understand. It's annoying. This woman just kept pulling up her phone and it was distracting the shit out of me. <laughs> and I missed like a key fucking line at the end of the movie that I texted you about. It was like, that was driving me fucking nuts. Yeah. What he ended up saying. So like, I, again, like there's at least at this moment, four different ways you could, I think you could interpret how this movie themes itself. I also oh, could I, be wrong. Yeah. Maybe there's not. I, like, I think it's way more right. Okay. Like this, uh, this I'm movie not to wrong. me feels like, like a great, like four unboxing. seems very conservative. Four seems very conservative. <laughs> well, no, I, I think, I think that the trick of this movie, right. Is yeah. that it feels like a great gift box, right. Where you just open it up and you don't know, I don't know why people subscribe to these things, right? Where it's like every month they're good. Like I get one every month. It's like, do you want like man box or whatever it's called? We'll send you maybe a knife. We'll send you maybe beard cream. We'll send you. And I'm like, why do I want you to just send me random shit in a tiny box? I'll just go buy what I want. Right. But I, I do understand the fun of like, oh, my new thing is here. Right. And like, I'll see what weird treats are in it. That's how I think of this movie. Right. This because. One of the things that was kind of racking my mind in the middle of it is it's one of those films where I just it sent my brain into overdrive where I'm trying. So my brain is trying so hard to connect these cables. Right. It took me a long time into the movie to just realize I don't think they connect on purpose. Yeah. Right. I think I think it's so fun and rare to see a movie that just says. I'm not here to tell you a narrative. I'm not here to tell you. An exact story. I'm here to make you feel. It's very rare and to react. sit in a movie. To sit in a movie and literally all it's doing the entire time is going, well, what do you think? Like, that's literally yeah. all I was thinking the entire movie is I am being asked to not do the work necessarily, but do the work. But also I'm being asked to, like, really pay attention and be like, what do you think about this? Please yeah. tell me in your own way by reacting to the screen. Yes. Like I, and a, a lot of movies, the more they rare. try to explain away plots or mysteries, this and that you're, you're inherently your brain starts taking over from, from the gut reactions to right. the film. Right. And this movie never sacrifices that just looming fear and dread and nausea no. to try to tell us what's happening. And, it was one of the yeah the movie ends and we're going home and I'm like on my phone you know googling all these things I think I've got like little tidbits here and there I'm like oh I'm gonna piece this thing together in a you know grand grandiose like magnum opus that explains it all away and my wife's like what the fuck we have to talk about that and like we just were and as because this is the thing this movie is this it, it's a jumble right I think of it like those if you ever played bingo right they put the balls yep. in that fucking thing and jumble them up there is um. Obviously, these kind of multiple reality points that we touch, right? So there's the life before, there's the the house, the village, the forest, all these places, right? And everywhere we go, there are just these just symbolisms popping everywhere. Right. And it it feels like a lot of them don't match, right? Like the idea of putting the great god Pan, right? This fertility deity or the green man, whoever he may be, right? And these kind of, you know, early Wiccan fertility deities, right? Right. Okay, but what does that have to do with the Christian church? And then the fact that Rory Kinnear's characters kind of represent all of these patriarchal institutions and uh, versions of things that help 
mold these men into toxic traits, right? Right. All right, well, what does that have to do? So all the guys in the movie who she's seeing, right, as if uh, one man somewhere in the past traumatized her and now she sees this in all these other toxic men's behavior. All right, well, what is that? But her boyfriend's an African-American guy. Like, why doesn't she see him as that guy? You know what I mean? So you're sitting there running through, or not (laughs) African-British. I don't know what the phrase for that. I just, yeah. He's a black man. He's a black man in in the UK, right? (laughs) Not American at all. But uh, yeah, that see, that's my United States lens. Literally the uh, other side of the pond. (laughs) So I was just like, but that like really bothered me. I was like, why is her her boyfriend this black man? Mm -hmm. And he's the one who is caused this source of grief where it's the genesis of the movie. Why then make that decision if you're Alex Garland to go to the village and everyone she sees is Rory Kinnear? I was like, did he literally just say? I want every man to look like the most fucking milquetoast square motherfucker. So he becomes this catch-all for all these different types of men. Walk me through this, because this is kind of the gimmick in the trailer and the thing that people latch on to, which I don't think is as wildly important to the film as it was portrayed. Why is Rory Kinnear the face of all the men in this village? And he's not the face of her boyfriend, let alone the same race as her boyfriend. I mean, to me, it's a matter of, I mean, for me, it's a matter of interpretation, I guess. But I would say the reason being that all men look the same to all men look the same. They are all of the same threatening ilk in this village. The reason they don't look like her husband is because her husband is unique in the way that he loved Ooh, her. Oh, I like in, that. In the way that he loved her and the way that he she felt about him because she's still... She's still grieving. So I think that there's there's a uniqueness to how she felt about uh, James, right? Is that the – it's not the right. actor's name, but the character's yeah. name is James, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The uniqueness yeah. to how she felt about James, how she feels about other men now, particularly after what happened, is probably that they are homogenized into one sort of overall look. Now, granted – there's the key difference is that Jeffrey looks demonstrably different than the rest of them, which is one of the Rory Kinnear clones. I don't know why. I'm assuming it's just a – I'm assuming – We'll get I, to I, honest, that. Honest, the thing was to me, and I, I was talking to my buddy, and I was like, it really kind of bothered me, this difference, right? Like, you know, why would you whitewash the trauma, you know, pun sure, intended, sure. I guess. I, I like the idea that because he so specifically – this is the thing. Her husband in this movie is a real piece of shit, right? Like he really, in the moment of her saying, I can't live like this, I need to go. We can author as an audience, right? That there has been trauma and some stuff going on before. The cruelty with which he attacks her, knowing her her softer spots of her heart mm-hmm. and goes out, you know, I'll kill myself. This is on you. And just violently lashing out at her right not asking right. why not asking what can uh, i do not to change. doing not doing what a reasonable person would do but instead right. having such a visceral emotional reaction to i want a divorce which look i'm not saying look luckily andrea has not asked me to not live with her anymore so i'm not in that situation but like that visceral moment where your partner is asking you something like an unthinkable an unthinkable think for you personally that is an emotion completely wrapped in 
illogical, irrational emotion. So it's hard, I think, when you're not experiencing it to look at it from a way that like, why would you not just ask her, what can I do? Like, how do I do it? And he tries to get at that in that first scene where they're like sitting on the bed and he's like, they're trying to explain, but also again, he's not listening to her. Like there's this whole thing. Never for a second. Not even to anything. She says she's yeah. not, he's not listening to her. Like, I think that's the thing that was most interesting to me about moving it forward into the movie was when you see these scenes of them together, the day, the day that it happens, you realize like, yeah, like clearly some other shit went down we're not privy to it, but it doesn't matter because the like microcosm of the experience we've had with James and, uh, Jesse Buckley's character Harper are like, it doesn't matter. Like he's not listening to her. All he's doing is whatever, whatever feeling she's having, he is receiving and then pushing right back onto her by saying stuff like, I will kill myself if you leave me. Like, Oh yeah. Doing these kinds of like trying to guilt rid her essentially. So that like guilting someone into staying with you, which I think we all can agree is not the healthiest thing to do. But no, no, no. Ultimately, it's just this really, it's just this really visceral emotion. And I think that is what makes him so different from, that's what makes him separate and different from anybody. Because we see no other men, obviously, besides Roy Kinnear and uh, the husband through the entire movie. Like, absolutely yeah. no other men and only one other woman. It's a very small yeah. cast. Yeah, so, I, I think I think what it is, right, is because he never receives anything she says. There's no moment of rationality, right? No. The, the moments we see in the apartment are these bright red drenched colors, right? Mm -hmm. High passion, blood, guts, right? You know, the, the stuff of, you know, the deep down getting into it, right? And I think the first thing we see is just her screaming with a bloody nose. And so we can assume that something not good has happened, right? So the movie, as it walks through, right? Because to me, everything is the baseline for everything in the movie is this day, obviously. She rationally, probably after something horrible, is like, you know, I'm out of here. He immediately, without anything, I'll kill myself. So he immediately goes to manipulation. And what I think they're doing is they're using him as this guidepost for all of these really terrible toxically masculine traits right the, sure. the the running theme of the movies to me seems to be at times that as a woman takes control of herself however that is right i want to be autonomous i don't want to be attached to you i don't want to be a partner right. i want to be out on my own i want to do whatever the fuck i want whenever i want watching men not be able to cope with that right i oh, i think totally. there there is this thing and we talked about it and Rosemary's Baby, too, right? This fear of the power of women, right? That, you know, by nature, they have this power of giving life and sustaining life and how that fucking terrifies us, you know, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Not us men, you know, as a whole. Hopefully not uh, me and you. I'm an adult. Right? That doesn't terrify me. Yeah. Yes, I understand what you're saying. <laughs> but yeah, so in a broader sense, right? And so what he does is, in, it's not that he's sad that he's losing Harper. It's the, the idea of, people knowing that he has lost this manliness somewhere. Sure. So he reacts with violence and then he physically hits her when he thinks that she is talking to a friend, right? So that now he has been physically unmasked well, is not man enough. Outed as some sort of unstable person. And by the way, 
But I think it's more about the masculine attack than the psychological. And and that's this is the other thing too, and the verification that that's so. It's not just Harper's. I mean, I guess you could say there's a subjective notion of what Harper's seeing or feeling from other people, but I mean, this happens with everybody in the movie. Every other iteration of Rory Kinnear in the movie doesn't really listen to her. Like the cop the uh jeffrey's the only one who seems to we can get more to jeffrey but like everybody else seems to i mean the most glaring reference to this is the vicar who literally blames her for stuff like and we will break down rory anything she says but like more importantly (laughs) for sure no one no man is actually listening to her throughout the movie they're all receiving her information and reinterpreting it as like well this is how i feel about that it's not like how do you feel about that like it's so much it's so much just regurgitation of the same talking points that you might do when you don't feel like you have anything i look i my marriage i am wrong i don't know 99% of the time i have to apologize a lot but like that is exactly what that is so i think there is this level of there's this level of blame you try to shift to your partner in any sort of relationship that happens in this movie theoretically a lot. And Jesse Buckley spends the entire movie just sitting there going like shrugging me like, why are any of you being like this? There's no rational explanation for any of this. Like the concept of dealing with irrationality, particularly in maybe like super fragile egoed men runs the gamut through this whole fucking movie. It's fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. Yeah. And I, I think getting to Rory Kinnear's part, right? Sure. Because one of the things I keep hearing people kind of mention online, right, is that this is some kind of dream state, right? That because no. of the the surreal nature of all of them having – like when they do the like his face on the little kid face, sure, it looks really bad. Like it's jarring yeah. to the eye. Oh, absolutely. And again, I don't – I thought that was on purpose. Of course, yeah, obviously, it's on purpose for sure. But I think some people use that as like, oh, it's not real. To me, the way I take a lot of this, right? Because my argument that it all happens, right? In some form or another. There are clearly things at the house at the end of that movie that are not happening in the physical reality as we're shown. I think you can look at it and say 90 some percent of what we see happens in some form, right? Sure. Um, the fact of the scene with the female cop and this and that, there are there are touchstones of reality that don't fit. To me, I saw she's just gone through this horrifying trauma, right? With this guy who abused her and then killed himself and tried to put that on her, right? Mm-hmm. You will carry this forever. This will haunt you. Inflicting again his frailties on her and trying to infect her with that same kind of thought process. Right. The the but even like so the first time we go and out into this country house right the first thing we see obviously is this moment of great peace and relief as she drives to the countryside after we know something bad happens she grabs an apple and takes a bite right we get him an adam and eve joke right right one of the first you know eve was created from adam essentially just to be his entertainment i guess and then she blows it all it's this really you know obviously male lens super male point of view (laughs) And so that feels like we're set in because Jeffrey's immediately taken back by the, oh, you had the gumption to just take an apple by yourself? Oh, I thought you uh, were a missus, you know, not not a miss. Mm-hmm. 
uh, there are these moments of, he's like, because this is the thing. To me, Jeffrey represents landowners, the vicar, the church, right? The police, the state. Um, the more interesting one is the little kid who kind of, you know, feels like he's this, I got to be this ta- toxically masculine guy, but, you know, maybe that's not his true self as we see from the, uh, you know, kind of 50s doll mask that he's wearing. Mm-hmm. Um, so the idea that everywhere she goes, she's butting up against this one type of guy, right? So in my mind, I was wondering, is Rory Kinnear's face just to look like this generic middle-of-the-road guy, or is there a chance that this is someone who traumatized her previously? And so now whenever something like that happens, that's who she sees. Is his face the first teacher that was inappropriate with her? Was he some guy who followed her home one day and scared the hell out of her? Um, what do you make of that? How, what do you? Why do you think he chose that kind of a look? Garland or... Garland, yeah. Because clearly these people do not all look the same in the town, right? they look Why is she seeing that face? I mean, I think that it's... I don't know if you can really say that it was somebody from her past, something like that, because there's no evidence of that. And, like, if that... I mean, to be honest with you, if that's what it is and that's in the movie, I think that's kind of shitty storytelling. (laughs) Not explain that to us at all. Um this movie is not about explaining. Yeah, but like that what you're talking about is a story point that would need to be addressed and if it's not that's like leaving a huge piece of I think the movie is telling us that the trauma that these kind of old male mindset and honestly we're seeing it right now in our very world. These old sure. world mindsets do a lot of damage. I don't disagree. I think what you're pointing at what you're get, what we're trying to do and like what you're getting at is giving a rationale for why everyone looks like Rory Kinnear uh, that like works thematically within the story. And I don't like, I'm not seeing that anywhere in the movie itself. Like what I would say <laughs> is that, and I don't think it's a bad dude. I don't think it's a bad notion. There's absolutely nothing about it that makes sense to me at all. Like, I think the concept of all of them looking like Rory Kinnear in the town specifically is more or less just a commentary on how, like I said before, all men look dangerous to a woman who's alone in a town surrounded by people. Like it doesn't matter who you are. I don't care. Like that's just, I have had to learn that just because that's part of life. And that was like the story I was telling you at the top. Like yeah. it doesn't matter. Everyone feels that. Every, they're not everyone. all dangerous though. Like the child is not a danger to her immediately. The vicar is yeah. not a danger to her immediately. I mean, I think the danger in that regard, I'm not saying danger is in like mortal danger and danger in that regard it functions on multiple levels. But I think the reason right. Jeffrey looks different than the rest of them is Jeffrey is the embodiment of this. He's got attempt. a little more toothiness, Jeffrey, a little more toothiness, a little more <laughs> hair. The nose is kind of bulbous. Like he has more, his face is not an exact copy. Like the rest of them are even Do the you green, think he's... even the green man has an exact copy face originally. Is he the guy? If you had to peg, do you think Jeffrey is as we see him in the film? What do you mean? So here's the thing, right? My, one of the things I was thinking watching the movie, right? Because obviously there there. Oh, are you saying like, idea. do I think that's what Jeffrey looks like for sure? Like, is that the real Jeffrey? And she says he has that specific look, right? As someone who could be a problem. 
So sure. that manifests on the faces of all these other guys. Because, again, obviously I'm the big sure stuff I'd... like the church, the state, the I young think... repressed boy, all that. Right. I mean, like, I don't – like, I think he looks it's different It's such a enough. weird thing to put in the movie if it doesn't have this I this think he looks different idea. enough – I think he looks different enough from the other Rory Kinnears where I'm not sure – I'm not sure that's how that would go. I understand what you're saying. Like, and I get it. Like it should track that way. And again, I, because the trailers led me to believe like maybe there was one actual Rory Kinnear and the rest of them had like very different looks because. Well, okay. So riddle me this, right? Cause this is a big point of the movie. This is kind of the entire gimmick they're selling us. Right. Do you think who did she kill at the end of the movie, right? Was it a vagrant that she found walking in the woods or Jeffrey? You talking about in the post credits thing? Yeah, when they come back to reality or you know the day after, not reality, the day after. Right. She's sitting there in blood, there's blood on the doorstep, her friend gets out pregnant um and sees this and takes this scene in kind of wide-eyed like, "Oh shit." Um weirdly Amy's like, "Oh, she was in on it." And I was like, "What?" And I was like, it's one of those movies that has you jumping at shadows. I was like, the pregnant friend was in on it. What are you talking about? Um, <laughs> but uh, what did you make of who? I mean, she obviously hurt someone in my mind, right? I guess you could look at it as maybe I'll tell you she this. cut herself. I'll, I'll take this one step. A lot of blood. I actually don't think she killed anyone. She killed something or cut herself. Is that what you're going with? Uh, if she killed something, because obviously, yeah, she's covered in blood. If she killed something and what we're not doing is assigning this, it was all a dream shit to the narrative. Cause I no, think no, no. that's absolute nonsense. Clearly I there don't... was not a rolling birth in the house, but yeah, Look, I'm not saying that. Yeah. I'm we'll not saying that. that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not saying that the last <laughs> 10 minutes of this movie yeah. aren't prolifically weird to the point where like, this can't be real, but yeah, I mean, to me, it ends up being, I don't know who she killed, but I know that they, bur she buried them more specifically. Oh shit. See, I, I don't because know that, if I, to me, to me, the metaphor is about, to me, the metaphor okay. is about being finished with the past in that regard. Like what she's not going to do is carry this guilt with her. Mm-hmm. So it's like, then it is like on the nose, dead and buried. There's a lot of on the nose shit in this movie that is on the nose yet. I'm not sure intentionally on the nose. Well, when, when one face has so many noses, you can do that. Yeah. Uh, one face has two noses. It's Jeffrey yeah. and Rory. I don't know why Jeffrey looks different than the rest of it. It's driving me nuts. He's the Magnum. <sighs> Jeffrey. I just don't. It's the, here's the thing. God. If you, if you don't accept that she killed someone at the end, right? Then are, is your contention that there was actually no blood on that door? No, I think there's blood. Like I don't, I don't think the blood is. Where did the blood come from, dude? Oh, no, no, I didn't. I, I'm, I didn't say that. I'm backtracking. What I was trying to say was she didn't <laughs> sure. kill any. I don't think she this killed. This is the perfect episode for backtracks. We are trying to sort this out in like, real time. Like what she didn't do was like what I don't think she did was like she didn't kill James or anything like that. Like that. We'll get, we can get we can get further into that, but like to me, whoever she might have killed, and I look, I cannot surmise who it is. There's like four different people you could make a guess at, but like, couldn't tell you. My my theory, 
because that's dragged that's dragged through the through the house blood. Sure. My my theory of what's really happening is that she actually does stumble upon this this living rough vagrant type, right? Sure. He follows her. You know, he kind of stalks her at the house, right? Things get creepy. Mm-hmm. I think you look at the point when they arrest him and she has her conversation with the female cop, which is a great scene because it's the first time she kind of relents and has someone to actually talk to in the flesh that is hearing what she's saying. And she's kind of saying, you know, this and that. And the, the female cop reads it and just goes, I get it. Like, I understand why this is, you know, bad and scary. Right. Hopefully it's not going to get worse and he's not bad, whatever. So she's kind of doing the line of like the state, right? Sure. But she has that core level empathy with what Harper is experiencing. So to me, that vagrant does exist and is someone that is fucking coming after her again. The thought that then at the end of the movie, this this vagrant guy comes back for her, right? When the police let him go. And on top of that, in her trauma, her PTSD surfaces... And she sees him as every other man who has scared her in this town, right? Jeffrey, the cop, uh, the guy who looks like fucking Sugar Ray in the back by the dartboard. You know what I mean? Um, The little boy. Mm -hmm. I think the idea that she puts this notion upon him, um, you know, and is fighting to save her life and just kind of reliving this trauma. Like you said, that at the very core, the nature of how society is set up the fact that so many men are foisted into this mindset of, you know, you got to fucking destroy things. You go get what you want. You take like, how can you give all those football speeches as a dad and not expect this to be the outcome? Right. Like right. one of the most telling lines is when Jeffrey goes out to check the grounds. Mm-hmm. Right. And he goes, my father always said I had the, the makings of a failed military man. So even Jeffrey has this. He he realizes he's not manly enough, right? The vicar has this weird sexual repression. So does the young child. You know, there there but are think, these moments. But I think in the way that while Jeffrey is creepy, this is why I think Jeffrey looks different than the rest of them. Why he's not a carbon copy, so to speak. Is that Jeffrey is representing this version of man that is it's the attempt at being empathetic. It's the attempt of not being Yeah. It's not I agree with it's, that trying to not be what you expect a groundskeeper to be that kind of thing mm-hmm. but that is and that's why the little kid is so much more threatening because that is the version of like oh we've passed this horrendous like it's what you and i talk about when we're raising boys like trying to not raise children who are assholes yeah because we don't want them to be anything like some of the people that we knew we're like you got oh be dude than well i'll tell you i'll tell you this right so we had this thing in the yard where Hunter's doing this, you know, oh, he fights like a girl, like one of those old jokes from our childhood. Right. And Amy was like, what the fuck? And like pulled him aside. And I was like, hey, man, you know, two of the kids you're playing with in the yard are girls, right? Are they your friends? He goes, yeah. And I go, how do you make how do you think it makes them feel when you say that the people who are bad at the game play like girls? And he goes, well, I don't know. And I was like, well, that seems like a pretty shitty thing to do. Would you be happy if your friends made fun of you like that? He's like, no. And I was like, it's so baked in the cake, right? Movies yeah. we love. Like when I was a kid, everyone used to do the Sandlot. He plays ball like a girl. It was so prevalent in how I was raised is that, you know, girls were pink and weak and delicate and we were tough and fighters. And we had to protect everyone and do that. 
And I was like, it's just so, and I think that's part of the, you know, the many faces of, you know, one guy, one kind of guy. Sure. Is it's, it's so just fucking built into how we, we talk about men and kids. And, and I feel like hopefully now it's getting, you do see this violent backlash, right? So like beta cuck simp, whatever the fuck these like catch words are of these like angry, you know, avatars on Twitter. Yep. But I'm hoping now that we're getting to this point, and I think what this movie's tapping into is that all of these men have this this fatal flaw, right? Of course. And maybe that Jeffrey really did go out in that garden to try to be a good guy. And because of that, you know, I have to do this thing to, you know, fight the ghost of my father, which I, a lot of men I know were all still dealing with this trauma of, like, not being the men our fathers wanted us to be. Sure. Um, Maybe gets got, man. You know, maybe he gets, you know, taken down or killed. And then that's when the, the assault moves into the house. Right. Right. And so well, I, I think at a base level, there there is this fucking horrifying attack. And then the mind, you know, when she's sitting out there on that step, it seems like she's running back through the horrifying events of the evening. Right. And this is somewhat what we're seeing. But I do think an attack happened. I do. Can I ask you something though that like was yeah. actually bothering me just on like basic storytelling in a horror movie perspective, which is like after here's my thing. After she goes to the she goes to the pub and the mm-hmm. cop who looks like Rory Kinnear says they had to let the naked vagrant guy go. Mm-hmm. She is visibly scared and she's very uncomfortable. She runs yeah. back to the house. It's like it's very creepy, very foreboding. Again, beautifully shot naked beautifully dude made. in the background naked yeah, dude in the background terrible. this is what i don't understand and this is the thing i was trying to figure out why it why it would even why it wouldn't even come up why does she spend so much time not getting in her fucking car to drive home now and i don't i was like is that significant or yeah, is that just it's, do we it's, need absolutely significant okay because i was like is this just like you know one kid gets one kid gets stabbed at camp crystal lake why don't they all just run away this is so much different to me right because she specifically says right her friends like i want to come out and you know i don't think this is the classic horror movie like turn the light on why do you go no 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 no, no, not at all but she she tells her friend right and her friend's like let me come up there right you know, this is fucked up. I'll be there with you. We'll do it. And she goes, this is about me not being afraid. This is about me reclaiming my my presence, my being, my, right. you know, my agency. So sure. I think specifically for her to get in that car and run is putting her in the world where I'll be doing this forever. I'll always be running from James or that fucking that guy sense. or all totally. the other guys that look like him. Mm-hmm. So I think a part of her is I'm going to stay here. And, you know, hope that these guys do the right thing. And if they don't, I will fight to defend myself. Right. Um, and clearly, you know, the worst case scenario happens. But I don't think that is. But see, that's what I think happens. Right. So for you, it's get in the car. For me, it's why is the boyfriend, you know, a black guy and all these guys are white guys. Also, the basic thing of these two events feeling like they don't really connect a lot i feel like by the end of the movie they did a good job of just sure this this male you know fountain of trauma gets all over the place there's another aspect of harper's personality that i 
didn't understand, but I think we might have covered it already. But it's when she tells Jeffrey at the beginning of the movie she doesn't play piano. And then in the middle of the movie, she sits down and plays yeah. piano. By you the way, why? This... My theory, at least. Sure. She's done performing, man. That is exactly what I was She doesn't want to do the fucking show. If she says yes, he's going to be like, play. Right. Or it's like, it, to me, I was like, oh, this is like intimate knowledge that she doesn't need anyone else to know. Like, she doesn't want anyone. Like, she plays piano for herself. That's what she does. It's not for anyone else's entertainment. It's for yeah. her to release. I, yeah, I, I mean, that part, again, like, there's little stuff like that in this movie that is, uh, that is so fascinating to me. Mm -hmm. There's another part, and this is more in regards to like your and I's preference for me. This movie goes fucking fast, dude. Yeah. It is a hundred minute movie. Like I was shocked when I got out of the theater. It felt like 50 minutes. Like when we started getting to the end, I'm like, Oh, this shit's wrapping like, Holy up. Shit. This is the end of the movie. Yeah. I was expecting, no. like, we're not going to be here another night. My God, because this movie doesn't give you those times where you're like, disconnect and you're like hmm, i wonder no, no, if no, anyone no. texts me like they're doing you know this bit mm. you're really emotionally in um one of the things i loved alex uh is the walk in the woods right the first walk in the woods yep again this is where we start getting these kind of mashing you know biblical allegory with uh you know early pagan shit right right i love the scene when she's singing to herself mm. in the the old railway tunnel I think it's fucking beautiful, right? This She's lyricizing with herself. And again, just the visual of she's having this great moment of relief. She's smiling at the simplest things, trees, nature, right. just being out in the world. The moment she experiences joy, this fucking guy stands up and starts coming for her. She tries to run, but there he is, right? Everywhere she turns, the house up there, she's running around. There was a moment in there I thought was interesting when she runs past the walkway right she comes to another train tunnel this one is completely boarded up and blocked off mm -hmm. she has to run up and around by that empty house where she gets the dick pic from a distance right right what did you make of that tunnel that felt like an important visual to me like that it's locked up yeah that maybe it's well, you know this thought of she can't just openly be exposed anymore in the world i thought about that about. too because it I thought about that too because it comes back around again. Yeah. Um, and like a very different scene too. Like she runs into the door to try to open it. Like to me, going back into the tunnel, this other tunnel is her. Like that's what she's trying to do. Like that's her. Actually, her trying to go back in the tunnel is literally like the version of her getting into the car to drive back to London. Like mm -hmm. she's she's locking herself out to say like you need to stay like you're staying like you need to do this for yourself like there's a lot of that level of empowerment i think i don't know i mean like that would be my only yeah. that would be one of the ways i'd interpret it you could also well, there's, say there's that definitely it's... like a real birth canal imagery in this movie sure. right you, that her having a moment of joy definitely this... birth canal image imagery in this movie yes. well that that guy just getting up in there and then running out right the the dandelion entering her mouth right there's a lot of these kind of penetrative moments like that so you that one it. being blocked it felt like either she could never run mm -hmm. from these like you know creatures that are coming after her sure. or she has to hide the things that make her feminine because right. that's what's drawing this monster to her sure i mean again i think it's just a matter of 
it's locking away things that she's it's it's like her trying to get out of addressing these things by maybe yes going back to london or not talking about these things like or playing the piano for jeffrey these like kinds of things that you i think in other movies of less subjective ilk you would see a scene where she plays piano for jeffrey or like this would be a movie about these guys literally just did you not expect the camera to pan and jeffrey to be there like furious when at the when she's playing piano did you not expect the whip around and jeffrey's like mm, really mm, ha. i expected him i was you so know... fucking scared when she was playing that piano to you know what's weird i actually was expecting like because that happened sorry my memory is a little shot is that is like that's the scene where she the naked guy though shows up right and she she no that's when she does the uh you know tour for her friend she's showing him this lovely right, right, house right, right. but that's when they in see the background he's in the background yeah okay that was where i was expecting again i was expecting jeffrey to show up yeah to like oh there's a naked guy at this house or to yeah. like uh uh-huh, I heard the tinkling of the ivers. But well, that, that's you? what I mean, though. The, the oh, movie yeah. does a great job because it feels like this innocent moment of like, hey, man, I don't do that. Just because it's the same thing we all do in conversation when someone like is trying to argue or whatever. And you go, hmm, wow. Yeah. Just because you like, I don't want to do this with you. Mm-hmm. And the movie sets it up so much where you see anything like that. Anytime you're like, this is going to lead to violence and terrible things. It's a really wonderful through line that's in the movie totally we're such little things like that you as an audience member especially for me as a male audience member feel the fear of that reciprocity very much so that i think is important for us to fucking feel and be afraid yeah. of um just you know what another thing though connecting to these scenes right one of the things i thought was brilliant as we move into this body horror segment mm-hmm. the soundtrack of this body horror assault is her yeah. echoing song from the tunnel Mm-hmm. again kind of reiterating that had you not enjoyed yourself and sang in that fucking tunnel this man wouldn't attract you down and none of this would be happening i thought that was a fucking brilliant choice like it really like chilled me to the bone yeah. when you heard the ha 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 i think the thing that is most impressive about the movie is and i'll be honest like maybe it's just an inkling of how women feel in general but like the fear and dread that are so prevalent throughout the entire film's vibe is so intense. And when it gets to the stuff that is a little more theatrical, especially in the third act, when we're about to hit this huge like body horror segment, the real life stuff almost feels less dangerous than like her, these like visions she's having. I don't know. It's a really, it's a really fascinating horrifying thing when you're watching you're just like wow like i've never experienced the amount of i've experienced some dread in theaters before but the amount of dread of just like like when she locks herself in the bathroom and the vicar lets himself in okay before we get to body horror because that scene is fucking horrifying you know a scene i thought was really fucking scary i wanted to hone in on with with you was the bar scene right sure when she walks into the bar, because I think this is one of the things the movie does really well. Is it's so fucking subtle. Mm-hmm. But it is this fucking Hitchcockian, like, explosion waiting to happen thing. Right. What did you make of when she goes in there? It's real quiet. There, again, like I said, Sugar Ray's in the corner. 
Sugar Ray Rory just like fucking glaring. Sugar Ray and what about you know, that scene worked Dave for Navarro you? In the <laughs> for sure. Hey, you want to be on Tattoo Masters? No, let's go to the bar and be creeps. Okay, cool. Uh, what did? What about that scene was really working for you? I I really thought that was a brilliant kind of hinge point into this big third act body horse stuff. You know what's weird? The thing that was working for me was, again, it is the it's Jeffrey sitting in there being so like Saying scrumping, <laughs> so like haphazard. Like there's just like he's just, oh, like something something wrong with your rental. What was what, 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 what's wrong? Like it's so like this. It's so like the owl from fucking Sword in the Stone, Archimedes. Like who? <laughs> what? What? Like it's this very like. That's what starts working for me so well because we just got done with this super intense scene with the vicar at the yeah. church, which I think is like Dude, that motherfucker. That fucking scene, by the way, is the only scene in it that, and there's a scene in the movie that, like, just that actually was my favorite scene in the whole fucking movie. Yeah. Uh, but the bar particularly is so fascinating because. There's only two people that are really having a conversation in the bar, and that's the cop version of Rory Kinnear and Jeffrey. Jesse Buckley is, again, just, like, sitting there. Like, I think this is the first time we've seen her around more than one character in the movie since yeah. – No, ever. Since the vicar and the kid. When he's since like, the vicar and the kid first, really yeah. quickly. But, like, this is the first time we've seen her do prolonged interaction with multiple characters, and, again, like – we're in this situation, and again, I don't know if maybe my head was just in that space, but I'm just like, these dudes are just talking over this woman and not paying attention to the fact that, like, there's a fucking naked guy out there that's terrifying. Oh, yeah. They don't give a shit. Like, it Even is when the she most, leaves, like, they just go, all right, she's annoying. Like, it's like this really weird, peculiar thing. But, okay, I got to talk about this Vicar scene. Because- Before we do that, though. The, the thing in the bar I thought was cool is it has this real, like, invasion of the body snatchers vibe, right? Because I think the fact that there were so many in one place was a really important addition to the film. Sure. It has this stranger in a strange land thing, right? Like, you're on an alien planet, and you're just looking around like, holy fuck, I can't talk to these things. I can't trust right. these fucking things. And I thought the terror of that leading to her actually sprinting back home I don't know if I ever told you this. There's this fucking horrifying experience I had in Hollywood. You used to go to that bar with me, the woods, right? Yep. I remember me and my buddy went, my roommate, and we were getting drunk. We're walking home as you do in Hollywood. And I don't remember what the exact setup was, right? But we're walking home. We're smoking cigs. And my buddy's like, hey, look. And I don't know if it was a girl he thought he knew or just a girl he thought was cute that would, like, want to go get another drink. And he shouted out her. He was like, hey. And I will never forget this till the day I die. That girl, without looking back, in like fucking dress shoes and a dress, took off fucking sprinting from us. Jesus. And like my friend was like, what the fuck? And I remember just being like slack-jawed stunned. And I was like, holy fuck. For that moment, she didn't even look around. She just heard my friend and our footsteps. Right. And we could have been the xenomorph, right? And that that really fucking haunted me. That that poor girl, that was just like in her mind. And sure. so this scene to me was a really fucking personal, important scene to me. Because I was like, holy shit, man. Was that what she was experiencing, right? Just all of us totally kind of guys in a bar just like rolling around like I these mean, predatory. And she takes off running. She just feels the eyes on her. 
And I think right. That's... I don't know if you've ever seen something like that, but when that happened in the movie, like it, it took me right back to that moment, just chilled my very soul. Sure. Absolutely. Because it, it's I mean, one it's... of those times you're like, I'm not a monster, but like, how the fuck does anyone else know? How does that? anybody else know? Of course. Yeah. It's I, I thought that scene was very subtle, but fucking chilling. Now, the true vicar scene is fucking awesome. That whole segment at the church in the middle of the movie is fucking. It's incredible. It's, it's also, grandiose is almost how I describe it's it. It's also yeah. the scene. So, like, there is this, like, very metaphorical beat at the very at the very beginning of the scene when she enters the church. The conversation they have, though, is so fascinating and revealing to the plot of the movie because it's the only time. It's a, again, I I love that this is the game Alex Garland's playing throughout the movie, which is like, make up your own fucking mind. We're about to move on to this. To the, we're about to move on to this pub scene. So if you haven't made up your mind yet, I don't know what to tell you. But she sits down with him, and they have this very in depth conversation. It's the first time though that she's revealed this detail about uh, James jumping off the top of the apartment mm-hmm. and killing himself which is that there's a chance that he went to the flat above theirs to try to climb back down because she locked him out after she, after she uh, after he hit her and maybe lost footing. And this is something crazy, too, because like that first scene in the movie is the slow-motion shot of him falling. And the look on his face was like, that seems so jarring. Like, I guess you're just yeah. terrified of, like, this is the end, you know? Yeah. Well, it's one but, thing to like think about it and threaten, but that moment right. when you're that, like, and that was like my assumption yeah. throughout the first forty minutes of the movie is like, oh, like he's just like, oh, I've made a terrible mistake. She though like sort of reveals that they think maybe instead of him, he was trying to trying to get back into the apartment. And they think maybe he slipped and fell. So right. I thought about that and like really quickly in the movie. It was like, holy shit, that look on the top at the top of the movie on his face is like abject terror of like i did not mean to do this like in this manner i wasn't trying to kill myself it's just scary oh my god i'm gonna die and then the vicar fucking lands this line where it's like well i'm sure feeling you feel i'm sure the guilt you feel is unbelievable and all of us in the theater like all of us in the theater like i the two dudes yeah. in front of me were like like scoffed i was like what the like I like started laughing. I was like, that guy did not just fucking say that. Yeah, that's an insane thing to say to someone who's grieving over a loved one. Yeah. Whatever the re- result of the whatever the result, whatever the reason, it's this fascinating thing though that Alex Garland's doing with the script, which is like forcing you to the point of like, clearly this guy's a dickhead. But do you agree with him? Like that is like the th- craziest thing is like I he's think he, begging you to agree with him. He's daring someone to say out daring loud you. Daring that they you. agree with that. Absolutely. Because the the two points on that, right? One, it's extra just twisting the knife Super in your guts moment totally. is because he's the first that white guy yeah. <laughs> who steps up and stops this little piece of shit from cussing yeah. at her and being a dick. He steps in and he goes, would you like to talk, right? Seemingly like he's going to help. So she unfurls this story about he fucking, you know, punched her in the face and she locked him out. Mm-hmm. Seems fucking reasonable to me. And she tells him this detail, right? And this is an important moment in the movie because she says, it all happened so fast. I couldn't possibly, we couldn't have seen each other, right? Sure, of course. So that opening where she sees the scared face, 
probably didn't happen. What I love about that is it's another way that someone, a coroner, a detective, the people upstairs, someone has told her somewhere down the line Mm -hmm. or she's overheard that if you unlock the door, he wouldn't have accidentally slipped to his death. Totally. Right? Because the thing, the fact of the matter is is that this motherfucker, James, chose to fall to his death that day. 100%. By all of his courses of action. And we should not feel bad for him. Um, Maybe that he died. Maybe could have got his life together or whatever. Like, whatever. This is a short movie. Fuck that guy. Um, We do not have time. He made his choice. By showing us that opening scene and her asking the victor or vicar, we're letting the audience know she has begin, begun to feel that, did she do it? Yeah. Right? Even though clearly she fucking didn't. Clearly she did not lock eyes with them like that, most likely. Right. But because all these other fucking people, like if you just let the door in it, you tried counseling, whatever, this insidious little fucking thing is weaseled in there. And for the vicar to be the guy who seems like he is listening, I'll tell you, I knew something was off when he put his hand on her knee. Yeah. It was like real. Oh my god! And that shot at the end when he's like rubbing the fucking bench where her and his like was. finger drips down. Like, ugh. Okay, so we're kind of here now. Wait, there's one other thing okay, he yeah, says though. I forgot. There is one other thing he says though that, again, it, like absolutely no one in the audience should be even thinking like, do I agree? Because the answer is no, you don't. Because when he's like, well, you know, women do. You know, sometimes a man has to strike his woman. I'm like, oh my who God. the fuck would no. ever say that? The fucking, but this is what I mean, though. Those and that was what attitudes, gets, like, fuck off. You don't have to go back a hundred years to find that attitude. Go back probably fucking existing. 10 days yeah. somewhere. Well, sadly, like, I mean, even today, there are a lot of people. I mean, I've seen, I saw my mom get hit when I was a kid. Like, you know, this shit is everywhere. Absolutely. And the excuse making is constant, right? Like, well, you can't divorce for the kids or you took an oath um before we get to the final i know we keep pushing it off there's so many little symbolisms i want to talk about the opening in the church right of her wailing to this classical music Mm -hmm. the vicar sees it and doesn't approach right away this is where we go to the it looks like the um holy water basin right yeah that has the the great god pan green man whatever Mm -hmm. fertility deity you want to say right a pagan idol in the middle of this church the other side is a, a engorged breasted and stomach of a woman and they do this like spinning almost toxicity video thing between the two images right with this bright light fucking shot up at them almost making them look as if they're the mixture of these two are demonic right the the fertility of a woman and her body harbor uh being a harbinger for this evil i don't know what that fucking means to you i just thought it was a great image right it kind and also it's this juxtaposition again of nature versus the pillars of our society right yeah. the even in this church and the you know all the shit it's weird like nature creeps i in. thought that would have so much more meaning and symbolism to it but i think the rest of the movie is so bizarre I, or at least i thought there would be like and granted it does kind of pay off at the end like it, it or it kind of doesn't depending on how you look at it but i like see i think it pays off huge but <laughs> i mean it pay. I don't I don't even know like again yeah. I don't even know like it's I so I mean I've hard. spent the entire weekend saying that exact same thing about this movie like I don't fucking know I don't know I'm going to take a swing at it I'm just going to start <laughs> taking wild swings yeah. and say like 
We're going to come up and take daddy hacks and fucking work. Our All way these whites and Kotzen are terrible people. That's what. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, honestly, it seems like everyone is a fucking pretty bad person that Harper has met <laughs> in this movie. Um, all right. So she runs to the house, right? The estate she's rented. Yeah. She gets in. The door starts banging. Right. Noise everywhere. She's trying to call her friend. Okay. One more thing. What did you make of every time the internet reception went out, we saw, like, the jarred VHS face of Joffrey? I mean, to me, that's... I mean, that's, like, obviously all the... Men are the are. gremlins in the internet? I mean, you said it, and it's completely true. Like, I mean, there is, like... I mean, to me, that's, like, one of those great in-jokes is, like... Man, dudes really do ruin the internet, don't they? Like, just trolls of <laughs> Dude, humans. I never thought of that. That's pretty true. Here's two ladies trying to have a conversation. Here's oh, two ladies trying to have a conversation. Like, hey, hang this on. This motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty. I don't know. That's the only thing I could pull <laughs> that from. That might was... be my favorite little sub take. Is <laughs> men really ruin the internet, right? If that's what we take away from this film. If that's what we take away from it, I'm fine. If that's what men, the movie, ends up being about, is like, man, dudes ruined the internet. I'm fine with that. <laughs> Yeah, hard to argue for sure if you go on <laughs> it, literally any website. Um, okay, so we get to this this finale, right? Again, I, I think this is rooted in an actual home invasion. Okay. I, I think this, this creep guy is coming in. Yeah, that makes sense. There, no. there is a small bit of quirkiness with how this plays out to me, right? Is that we see the vagrant man cutting his head open and putting a leaf in right now. He's looking more like that, you know, the uh, green man or whatever. grotesque face. Yeah. He's looking like, so he has become this God entity, right? Right. Not really a God, but he is the nature of the primordial nature of man, right? The most boiled down basic gross parts, right? Right. Cool. I'm with you on that. We start doing this teleportation of, she sees other, you know, the other fucking white guys. All right, cool. This is, again, that PTSD thing. Every guy that's left a psychic injury on her, she's manifesting that, right? Right, right. There are a couple beats in here at the start of this that, as I think of this as an actual home invasion, are a little quirky to me, right? The crow flies through the window, Mm -hmm. and we see the crow with the plastic woman mask on. Yep. Right? To me, that is the... I don't know if it's the albatross around the neck of having to be a woman. Is this, I, what did you make of that moment? Well, you assume the little, the, the boy Rory Kinnear put the mask over the crow. Is this him? I'm going to bury my inner feminine side and just become this fucking, I will, that is that him defeating his own. I mean, I think it's way less. No, I mean, I think it's way less symbolic. I think not way less symbolic. I think it's more, the crow crashes through the window to me putting the mask on the crow is it is the visual metaphor of how little boy rory kinnear sees her which is as a an interloper oh nice i like that so like there's something there's something to that like it's such a fast thing and like it's just meant to like from a movie standpoint, it's meant to a get her attention to get her into the kitchen again and also scare the shit out of her. So like, but right. to me, visually, it makes more sense that it would be like, oh, this is how he sees her as right. like, 
you've crashed into this world that we're trying to live. Yeah, because that's when he brings back the I want to play hide and seek. Yep. She goes to the other side of the door and she starts counting, right? Again, this mm-hmm. is the I'm not going to be fucking afraid moment. Um, even though everyone in the audience is horrified at this point. I want to talk through... Because we've already done the hand through the door. The hand gets sliced open, right? And this fucking gnarly just hand getting ripped. And they God keep showing damn, it. It's so fucking gross. So gross. Fucking like rip my guts out gross, right? I was like, uh, in the theater just yeah. losing it. That was the one I was like, you don't need to watch that, yeah. Andrea. Walk, walk me through when she's in that bathroom, right? Why is it the vicar that comes through for her? Oh, I mean, like, that's because it's... He's the one who would do it. He's the one who would cross the line. Like all the rest of them. Because he are... comes in and starts this. This is your power. You put right. these thoughts in my mind and like groping her. Mid-section. All the rest of them have very visceral, violent reactions towards her. He's the only one who's actually spoken to her, really, by the way. Or sort of listened to her, however you want to interpret it. But he's the only one who's felt like he understands her inner, uh, her inner desires, her inner feelings what she's not putting out into the world. So to me, the reason it's the vicar is because he's also someone who's forced to suppress his inner desires all the time. So for him to unleash that a has a, um, has a, as a visual metaphor, a has a great connotation of how fucked up the clergy is. And then also, yeah, again, it is the most, this is the close, like we, have only felt uncomfortable discomfort from a lot of these guys. This is the first time any of them have like sexually approached her in a way that's like pretty not okay. Why do I say it like that? Not okay at all. Yeah, I don't even tremendously know. Okay. Tremendously okay. Not, tremendously right. not tremendously okay. Tremendously not okay. Yeah. Pretty is not it's the fucking word. horrible. It's, it's fucking horrible. Fucking nasty. So yes. he's the only one to approach her like that because he feels like he knows her. Like he has something on her. Like he owns. He's the first some one who sort gets of piece close. of information. Yeah, the homeless guy gets close but not that he's the first one who physically right well the homeless guy is not the homeless guy is this it this is the super ego trying to talk to her about what she wants and what she needs and these kinds of things and that is that is like to me this metaphor for mansplaining to women like oh no it's cool like i'm very i'm very nice but it feels important though that when she goes in that moment it is the head of the church who does totally. not have a great history of being decent to women throughout history, right? Right. Um, especially the guy who's running the church where we see these fertility symbols, right? Absolutely. Um, so part of me wondered if he was the fucking alpha Jeffy, and that's who we are seeing. Sure. Is because she had that experience with the vicar somewhere else. Um, and he was the first one to kind of put that, no pun intended, fear of God in her. Um but yeah, his his assault in that it really is this vile thing that's happened. It still happens today in our cultures, right? Where you know we believe that people are created in the image of God, but yet are so afraid of women's reproductive abilities because that has sexual connotations, and that it's so fucking that scene just has so much power, and especially with the fucking hand when he puts his hand around her neck, the two fucking hands. Ugh. Holy oh, shit! Oh, that was fucking gross, dude. Gross, fucking Ugh. gross. All right. Um, here's All another right. small beat. When the hand reaches We're through the door, still not going to talk about it. <laughs> she grabs the fucking hand. Yeah. 
it feels like she's grabbing it as in like, okay, I give up. But then is able to fucking, you know, chop this fucking hand in half, right? Right. Hideous. Walk me through this. What is happening in the moment when she goes outside? Uh, Jeffrey's been like fucking taking care of whatever. He's been dispatched, right? The lights are going off. There's a lot of kind of teleporting around and mm-hmm. almost jump scary kind of stuff here. A little bit, yep. I think it's you, when you're recanting this night, right? That's like the PTSD flashbacks of it could have been any of these guys, right? Sure. Where, walk me through this dandelion infestation. Oh. Yeah. His nature is taking a part of her? I'll be honest with you. You might have to walk me through that because, like, it was the exact opposite of what I thought was about to happen. Because um, what is really strange about that moment is it's obviously got a very seminal, 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 seminal uh, symbolism, right? This one little sure. dandelion. Th- and that's what dandelions are, right? They're seeds that blow out and make more fucking dandelions, right? right. Fine. The seed is planted in her, and it feels like the story shifts at this point. Okay, maybe. All right, go. And her friend being pregnant at the end, I was a little bit like, ah, is she actually pregnant? Right. Okay. While this is happening, and we didn't know. But then she's drinking a fucking drink, so she doesn't feel like the character is going to be like, yeah, I'll just get fucking hammered if I'm pregnant. Did she drink the drink? Although maybe she doesn't know she's pregnant. She doesn't drink the drink at the bar. Well, she goes in to get one. She just wants to buy her own, but Jeffrey fucking right. cuts her up. Anyway. Well, she wants to buy her own. He, but like, no, but she never actually takes the. I don't think she, I don't she doesn't because she's fucking accosted by this terrible news. But with that theory, that's not the worst idea. The, the most cynical part of me wondered if that was the blood at the end when I was trying to figure all this out, that maybe all this stress and all this horrible stuff led to this like terrible miscarriage. Ooh, um, that is, that is the dark. most like cynical, horrible theory I was having when the movie was unfolding. Cause her friend yeah, was some pregnant. Da- I'll say this. That is some dark shit. However, yeah. that also tracks. Well, cause this is the thing that kind of led me down this train and I'm not sure I, I accept this own idea I was having. After the the little dandelion gets in the body, right? Right. It does lead to a birth, but of Pan, right? So Pan starts just just fucking. Give I mean, there there's this birthing scene that is graphic just, and brutal. I actually thought it was cool. I read that Alex Garland had a different version of this. Yeah, I saw that too. And then he he was like he was inspired by Attack on Titan, which is just a fucking rad show, man. And the the Titans in that show had these hideous body horror moments yeah um and so yeah it's this it's this rolling birth as i've heard it described now where pan gives birth to one of the men we've seen that man then through his back or his butt or his wherever on his body yeah yeah, things start they just start giving birth and kind of following her in through the house once is so it's two times through the mangina one is once in the dead just, back. One's just an explosion out of the back. And then the last one, which gives birth to James, is mm-hmm. through the through Jeffrey's mouth. Yeah, where the dandelion answered, yeah. A weed. Right. A dandelion's a weed, too. This is my theory. <laughs> when she's... Because the creature that we've seen this entire assault has the same injuries we saw as Jeffrey on the fence. Yeah, he's got the broken leg. Over. 
He, yeah. Oh and my the, god. Ugh, when they did the that arm. broken Ugh. leg, Ugh. I can't do broken bones at all. You know what's fascinating? And the hand is the same as when it's caught on. You the know what's broken. funny is that they did that wide shot of James in the pole and the leg was broken. I'm like, this is gonna come up on the pod. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you could you could show me people fucking birthing full grown men all day. I'd watch a hundred of those in a row. I don't want to see a broken anything. Right. Like a bro- bone snapping sound is my nightmare. Here here's my theory though, right? So all of these men, right? These toxic versions of men are giving birth to other versions of toxic men. All right, pretty easy symbolism I can understand, right? That their base nature keeps proliferating. All right. right. When James comes out of the the last white guy, I don't know if it was Jeffrey or the vicar that James comes out of. Right? It's Jeffrey. So her specific man who has tormented her comes out of this this you know last version of the the country white guy that's been oppressing her. Mm-hmm. All right, he comes up and he starts his little thing, right? Like you know he's kind of haunting her, this and that. She's pretty nonchalant about all of it. And he, she just says, what do you want from me? And he says, I want your love. And she almost gives us like, just like a little smirk. Like, are you fucking kidding me? The idea of that to me being is that she sees all these toxic men that represent these patriarchal forces that have given birth to her specific man who hurt her. And he wants her love still after the grave, this and that, right? There's blood everywhere on the door and on her. Is she afraid because she has James inside of her still? And she's worried about what the emotional toll of that'll be. You know, that he still wants her love, but all she'll see is this guy. I don't know. That that to me was a little cloud. And I don't think the costuming backs that up the next day when she's sitting outside on the step. Mm-hmm. For a miscarriage, but that was kind of my thought because that ending threw me for a loop a little bit, right? When, you know, what do you want? Your love. And she just laughs because part of me says that's just the, you know, the kind of final flourish of the movie is that we think what we want is their love. What we want is their subjugation. Sure. We want well, to I think love ourselves and we have to use them to, to that make point, that though. That to me was what the laugh was about, which is you don't know what you want. Like that to me is yeah. always the thing about that to me is exactly what Jesse Buckley is dealing with the entire end of the movie is like for her not to be like horrified by what she's just seen. Yeah. Particularly that her dead husband hobbles over and simply says, all I want is your love. Mm-hmm. Like she knows it's bullshit. I think that's yeah. like the thing that I love the most about her reaction is that the level of it is so her nonchalantness to the entire fiasco is so telling. It's just like, you don't know what you want. I don't have time to fit. I don't have time or the inclination to figure it out. I think that's, that's honestly the part. That's honestly the part that I thought was, even though it was fucking nuts, what preceded it. Yeah. That was the most engaging and captivating way to end that scene, which is like simply saying, (laughs) You have no yeah. fucking idea what you're asking. There's not a lot of landing points after the rolling birth. Um, yeah. But not only that, right? When he says that line, what I thought was funny about it is like, I bet that's what she wanted to hear that's all back in the hear. red room. It's Absolutely. like, I want your love. I'll do whatever it takes like 
tell me i'm sorry i fucking like blew now, it now after doing yeah. all this now this after what, hitting want. you and threatening you and trying to guilt you and you know harming myself so that you have to be tarred with that now you want to say you love me right, right. um Again, I think wrapping this thing up, right? I don't... This is a movie. I saw this on Friday. We're recording this on Monday evening. I haven't come to grips with this yet. I still I don't either. know what I think all of it means. There are things that feel like I have a really good read on them. And then I match it with another scene in the movie and I feel completely lost again. Right? Yeah. What I think is awesome is the fact that I got to go watch this movie and sit and think and feel yeah. on that magnitude, period. So many right. movies nowadays are so afraid to not lay it out. Follow the saves the cat. Don't leave us with questions because that makes your average audience member upset right. if they feel like they're not – the movie's trying to tell them they're not smart enough to get it, right? Right. I, I think what Alex Garland did is that he made a movie that – will confound the mind in a great way, right? Like there's just so yeah. much to process and so many ways to take everything. It reminded me of that documentary Room 237, right? We all oh, watch yeah. the same movie, but you can find 800 things in it. But what I think is through his care and his precision and his craft, he laid out these wonderful visuals and symbols and emotion. You feel the weight of the dread and the emotion so fucking heavy. That your brain doesn't have time to process. So when the movie comes, it's like a fucking tidal wave of what the fuck did I just watch? Right. And I just think that experience is something I really cherish uh, in a movie. I fucking love my time watching this movie. Yeah. I mean, again, how often do we go to the theater and walk out and say, I'm so glad I have like 4,000 questions for this movie. Like, yeah. Well, I was excited rare, to do this, right? <laughs> it's rare that we walk out of a theater and watch a movie like not like watch a movie that's trying to do this or trying like when you and I ask questions about movies, a lot of the time we're asking like really logical questions that don't get answered in films. Yeah. What's so nice and re refreshing about seeing men is walking out of the theater, knowing full well, Alex Garland intends everyone to have this kind of conversation more than once. More yeah. than once should this conversation be had. I had a conversation with my wife on Sunday. I'm having this conversation with you today. Whoever else sees it at this point, I'm going to talk about it and be like, dude, oh. this is what I think the movie is. Yeah. And also, could this has already changed my perception of what the movie is. And yeah. I think that's what is so great about it. Same. Like, I came in and I told you before we started, I'm like, I don't have this thing, like, sorted in my brain. Not We're even just close. Gonna but I think this is one of those, when you're out at a function or whatever and someone is, you hear someone like, oh, I saw men. You're like, fuck, yeah. Let's like, talk. Let's... And that's the thing. I think so many movies forget this, like, the basic power of movies over so many other mediums is you just have so many fucking tools at your disposal, right? To fucking make, to just pull fucking a deep yeah. well of feeling from us. Yeah. And so many movies, they just get so worried about explaining every detail it just bogs down that feeling. And if art at a very core, the art, whatever it is, the first thing it should elicit is a strong emotional response. Of course. If it's not doing that, it's not doing its job. It's nice to right. see a well-told, complete story, right? Like, I'm not mad that Lord of the Rings doesn't have an ambiguous birth where, you know, Frodo gives birth to Sam who gives birth to fucking Gimli and whatever. 
you know, Lord of the Rings is pretty cut and dry. Like here it is. <laughs> get some Bible shit done. Love that too. But I think what has happened is so many of these kind of movies. These aren't movies that are just art house and weird for the sake of it. But right. the fact that I you think, use your craft to make something this abstract. I think that's the trick of a movie like Men. And that's what a lot of other movies like it fell short on is you're being odd for odd's sake. I don't feel like I'm being – it's not – like it's the opposite of being pandered to. Like – yeah. What I like about this movie is to simply saying, like, what do you think? Like, <laughs> I made this move. Like, Alex Garland, I I, I tweeted this. I, I put a fucking Instagram about it. Like, Alex Garland literally made a movie that says, I don't give a fuck about what the audience thinks. I'm going to make the movie I want to make, and then right. you guys can fucking take it and run with it. Like, yeah. this is the kind of movie that people will write dissertations about because there yeah. is no defiant ending to it. And, yeah, like there's great storytelling to be done, but that's what makes men so good mm. is that the definitiveness that's lacking about men is that thing is the thing that it's probably its greatest strength. Mm. I I love that. I loved it. Yeah. I had a great time watching it. Like this, what this else do you feels need, like the top shelf version of what mother wanted to be. <laughs> you know what <laughs> that's I mean? A good way to put it. Because Mother tried this, but it just got a little too messy in its own way and just didn't do it for me. This is like that perfect blend of image and haunting sound and um, context clues and symbols, right? Just weird. It I, feels like you're walking through someone else's nightmare for most of it. I know that if I talk to like three other people about this movie, I'll have a different conversation with every single one of them. That is a yeah. powerful thing. To come yeah, out of a movie that's a that has a cinema thing. score of D plus, by the way. This is another great example. I mean, Don't come read on. reviews by people. Just go well, see the movie. When I see this or Lamb in the theater, there are just some movies where I'm like, come the fuck on. Just go to If the you movies. make a movie like Men <laughs> or Lamb or whatever, you shouldn't even go into cinema score grading. Like, that you should shouldn't be even be out. looking at Rotten Tomatoes for movies like Men. Yeah. Like, just go to the This movie theater. is not made for just the uh, wandering, you know, so-and-so. Like, I got a free afternoon. Yes. You know, we just got done at Banana Republic, and I want to catch some popcorn in the dark in the air conditioning. Let's Who was that guy me. with the mustache used to review movies for New York? Gene Shallot. Uh, Gene, Gene Shallot. Yeah, I'm just thinking about Gene Shallot watching this movie. Gene Shallot would fucking love this movie. He no. would be a fucking huge fan of men. I'm just saying, like, my uncles aren't going to just happen in on men and enjoy no. that. This is a movie that requires from you, and it'll feel really uncomfortable. The fact that this has a bad cinema score and is lukewarm at the box Probably office. Means it's, it means it's awesome. Also, it's the least fucking surprising news I've ever heard in my life. Agreed. This will be a movie that when it gets out to where people can watch it easily, streaming service at home, uh, you know, VOD where they can really engage with it. They can watch it a couple Absolutely. times. You can Google while you're watching it. This movie is going to be a cult classic. I, I am convinced 100% of that. Um, Don't disagree. That's it for men. We've had enough. We can't take no more. That's enough of you, man. Yeah, that's it. Uh, guys, thank you for doing this with us. We're very excited to talk about uh, these awesome new movies that are coming up. Some of them we've already missed when they hit VOD. We'll be jumping in on that. So something we're excited to add to the repertoire here. Next month, the pod kneels before Griffey. 
worships his birth and presents not gifts. the name of the month. To his oiled up great bod. Okay. That's not going to fit in our graphic, but we'll work on it. Not even Smaller close. fonts. Nope. <laughs> the pod follows its true north star to the one. See that? No. I'll, work. I'll, we'll workshop it. <laughs> I'll figure it out. Sure. I'll figure it out. But yeah, movies that have been gifted to yours truly for the month of my birth. It's an awesome list. You guys are going to be really excited. It is very We have dope. awesome stuff coming up on Patreon, exclusive episodes, commentaries, Tales from the Crypt miniseries, lots of cool stuff. So again, that's patreon.com slash pod. Go over there and check us out, guys. Little as a dollar a month you get in. Help the show out. It means the world to us. Uh, make sure you leave rating and reviews wherever you find the show. You can email us, filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. Subscribe to the YouTube, Film Alchemist. Uh, find us on, on socials, guys. We're easy to get a hold of. We love to hear from you. Uh, for the Film Alchemist, I'm Josh Griffey. That's it, man. I got nothing else. I'm Alex Dandino, the only one, I think. <laughs> <laughs>